0: Welcome to the Growing Faith Podcast with children, young people and families at the heart of all we do, sharing stories of where God's at work across home, school and church. In the Growing Faith Podcast, we've been delighted to talk to a whole range of guests. Today, I'm going to be talking to Julia Hill and Ed Gregory, two senior leaders in the Diocese of Bath and Wells. And we're going to hear how Growing Faith is working out in their context. Okay, welcome Ed and Julia. Thank you for joining us on the Growing Faith podcast. So Julia, could you introduce yourself and let us know what your
1: role is? I'm Julia Hill. Um, Ordinarily, I'm the Head of Deanery and Parish Support for the Diocese of Bath and Wells, which includes uh, helping parishes in vacancy and with vision. Uh, also helping parishes with their buildings and with money for mission. Uh, This year, however, I'm seconded to be the head of mission support and ministry development, uh, which means I look after the whole mission and ministry team and sit on bishop staff.
0: Great, thank you very much. And Ed, can you tell us who you are and about your role?
2: Yeah, I'm Ed Gregory. I'm Director of Education here at the Diocese of Bath and Wells and we look after our church schools. We have 183 and also the GO team who are our youth and children's team for the diocese.
0: Great, thank you. So can you give us an idea of how your roles overlap here in Bath and Wells?
2: We've had a recent uh, restructure and our roles have increasingly begun to overlap in a really constructive way. Um, Actually, having moved to the same offices um, helps tremendously because we can actually physically um, meet and connect and begin to share lots of things. And one of the key elements that we can share is around the Growing Faith um, initiative.
1: And as part of that restructure, we moved into a system where we have some archdeaconry-based working Uh, And so in each archdeaconry, there is a designated member of the GO team, uh, but also a member of the deanery and Parish Development team as as well. And that means that at, at a reasonably regular basis, on a reasonably regular basis, those people will find themselves in the same room with the archdeacon. And that is an intersection of work that I don't think existed to the same extent before. So that's a really positive step forward.
0: Great, that's really helpful and um, good to know how we're working in Martin Wells. And what do you think the impact of some of that has been so far, that I'm kind of cross-working?
2: I think for, from my perspective, one of the, the best pieces of impact uh, recently has been the fact that Julia from her team has uh, stepped up and has joined the, the Growing Faith Strategic Leadership Programme. Uh, and this has been hugely impactful on raising the profile of growing faith beyond the world of just children and education and now into the uh, the world of ministry, support, mission development um, and taking that forward, opening up those conversations, bringing the lens of children and young people um, and households uh, into uh, a much broader perspective.
1: Yeah, I think... I, I think that's very kind of you to say it's had a great impact. <laughs> uh, I hope it's building some good foundations. And it's certainly opened up some conversations that I think wouldn't have happened before. Uh, and my team are more used to hearing me bang on about children and young people than probably they would have been beforehand. I think the real value of the Archdegnery way of working is being in the room together. And it's obviously there's the, the planned conversations you have about particular places or incidents or issues... But there's also something about being in the room together and having conversations and then the unexpected uh, things that emerge from that. And I think that that has something to say about both the opportunities and the issues around the involvement of children and young people. Because, for example, for my team, uh, in Dealer and Parish support team, literally children and young people are never in the room with us and so they are an invisible presence or a very definite absence and when people are not in the room it's really hard to put them at the center of what you're doing so i think the advantage of the archdegionary way of working is that when we're in the room across a number of different areas of work we can have find those connections and we become aware of the opportunities and the insights from different areas including children and young people But I think we have got to do a lot more of that if we're genuinely going to get to the point where children and young people are instinctively at the heart of all we do, because we need them to be intentionally at the heart of all we do before we're going to get anywhere near instinctive.
0: That's good. That's really, really helpful. And I'm also just wondering, in terms of you both sit in some senior strategic meetings in terms of our diocese, How would you say Growing Faith looks in that
1: context, or doesn't? So I'm going to be the, um, yeah, I'm going to be the person to call this out, I suppose. So it's been really interesting to sit on Bishop's staff uh, for most of 2023, uh, and I've really valued that. What I've noticed is it is very rare for children and young people to be part of that conversation and I don't mean literally there aren't children and young people in the room, I mean it is rare for us to be explicitly talking about children and young people and I suppose that's made me ask myself why is that the case and what might we do as Bishop's staff to, to change that in a meaningful way rather than a tokenistic way. So obviously a start would be to put, put put it as a standing item on the agenda, but that's only got value if we're going to talk about it in ways that integrate with the rest of our work. So I, I have found that very illuminating in quite an alarming way and perhaps it shows us how big the journey we have mm. to make is.
2: Exactly, and I think that there's so much that is going on um, with children, young people um, and all of the the work but it's it's hiding that light under a bushel and actually just being able to really uh, let that light shine out across all the work that we're doing and i think the the opportunity that Julie and i have is to communicate that upwards into bishop's staff with our bishops with our darsten secretary um, as well as uh, with all of the the stakeholders across the diocese who are working uh, at the sharper end if you like Uh, and how we can really um, connect those um, agendas from the very strategic agenda of the whole diocese um, right through to the local agendas of um, PCCs.
1: And I think one of the really good things about the strategic planning for the diocese at the moment is as we're thinking about how we move forward into the future with our vision, which is living and telling the story of Jesus, uh, but we're talking about what that looks like in schools, chaplaincies and parishes Uh, and I think it's really good that that is on the table I think what we've noticed is in some of the conversations we've had we've had to work harder to get the schools bit of that into the conversation but but at least that's been noticed so I think that's that's really important we've also had some um, we've had meetings across the whole diocese deanery by deanery with the bishop thinking about vision and strategy but also listening to what's happening on the ground And it's been really noticeable that some of the fantastic stories of hope and encouragement that we've heard around deaneries have precisely been about things like the work going on with schools or intergenerational church, you know, so there's definitely a lot of really fantastic stuff going on with children and young people. It's how to join the dots Um, So as a Dean and parish support team what we notice is sometimes we go out to a parish to talk about their vision for the future and the, the thing that they often say is we don't have enough children and young people in church. When you unpack that a bit more, you'll discover that they're often doing really fantastic work with children and young people, perhaps outside the church building or outside the usual Sunday service. But sometimes the people who are regularly in church on a Sunday morning aren't aware of that and how do we tell that story um, across those boundaries in ways that um, help us understand what's going on and therefore build on it because if it's invisible it's really hard to build on it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think it comes back to that old adage of is it important because we can measure it mm-hmm. or do we measure what's really important? Yeah. And actually where the children and young people are, where they're meeting, where they're getting to, to know that story of Jesus and the love of God, um, that where that happens isn't the important thing. The fact that it is happening and we're able to engage with it and encourage it um, is so important. And the more we can get that message across, um, the more helpful that will be.
1: And I think that... Literally, the survival of the church depends on it. Uh, One of the things that we talk about is how have we slipped, in some cases, into being quite irrelevant to people's everyday lives. And I think the more that we connect with children and young people, the more the really pressing questions of life, the universe and everything will be on the table, because those are precisely the sorts of questions that children and young people ask. And, and often they have an uncompromising focus that we really need to hear. So I, I think that voice of children and young people is, is critical to us, because I think it will bring us back to our core, our core purpose, precisely because it has that clarity and that the sort of visionary thing that sometimes as adults we, we become a little bit pragmatic and a little bit jaded and i think we need that we need that fresh voice to to help us to be the people that god calls us to be not just to help young people to be the people that calls us to be but to allow young people to help us to be the people that god calls us to be
0: absolutely and young children and young people just bring energy to conversations don't they and a freshness and Just open our eyes to concepts we haven't seen, which is really helpful. That's making me go off script a little bit, but I'm also just thinking how do you think, or maybe don't think, that growing faith in terms of church, household, and school could be pivotal in some of that change and in how we try and connect those three? Do you think it's going to make a difference if we focus on those three?
2: I think it can make a huge difference because we know that as a as a Church of England, um, we're very connected into um, younger children, primary schools particularly, but as they grow and move through the education system, um, we know there's drop-offs at particular times that transition to secondary school um, and into the young adulthood um, are drop-off times. If we can really build up that momentum uh, from primary schools with households and churches working together, carry that through into the the secondary, the teenage years and into young adulthood. Um, There's enormous potential there um, for personal faith journeys to uh, flourish uh, beyond the age of 11, um, but also for young leaders to be um, spotted, to be helped to develop um, and to really build into the church because we, we've got to understand this our young people are the church of today they're not just the church of tomorrow they're the church of today and tomorrow uh, and we really do need to keep those connections where we possibly can
1: yes and I think that children's households and schools from a from a parish perspective um, unless a parish literally has no children resident then a school is the, almost the automatic point of connection into community. And where, where churches do that connection really well, it, it is transformational in both directions, I think, for both for the school, hopefully, if the interaction is positive, but also for, for, the, for the church. So I think that, that's, an, that's a no-brainer, isn't it? Now, I suspect that for both churches and schools, and Ed will correct me if I'm wrong here, but I suspect for both of those... That connection into the household is the really challenging one to, to do but it's the one that's going to make the most difference isn't it because we spend most of our time in in our households and if what we learn in school and we learn in church is also live in our household that's somehow where it's most grounded so if I, if I go to school and I learn, but then I park my learning and my curiosity when I go home, then am I really learning? In the same way, if I talk about God in church, uh, often using somebody else's words, it has to be said, uh, and, and then go home and, I'm, and, it's, and I've parked it at the church door and I'm not taking it into my household, then am I really going to grow in faith in a way that is integrated with the whole of my life and who I am. And also, households, pretty much by definition, not obviously always, are an intergenerational space. So if, as a person who's involved in church and as a person of faith, I'm talking about faith and what it means to me in my household, then I'm going to make those cross-generational links and, and learn to talk about faith openly, which would be a breakthrough in some cases, But also learn to talk about it in ways that work across generational boundaries and if i do that in my household then i'm going to take that into my church so it's if it works it's um it's a really virtuous it's a virtuous triangle isn't it not a virtuous circle but it's gonna it's gonna benefit everybody isn't it because it will be authentic and integrated and whole and wholesome and life-giving how could that not be a good thing
0: that's great. <laughs> Helpful to know that growing faith has some uses. <laughs> um, so um, we're just going to kind of come nearest to the end of this podcast. Where would you like our diocese or the diocese of Bath and Wells to be in terms of growing faith in, say, five years' time? What would, what would your kind of dreams be? Your hopes be? And what are some of the opportunities and also challenges? Lots of
2: questions. I think it'd be be wonderful if children and young people could be on the agenda of every meeting that we have, whether that's with schools, parishes, uh, the diocese itself, if we could keep those not just on the agenda, but as a a key indicator of the health of our organisations going forward. And then not just seeing them on the agenda, but actually seeing them present in those spaces as well, helping us to to shape the future Um, and just seeing the the children across that whole age range really engaging and because the children are engaged and feeling that this is really relevant um, for them, the households are becoming engaged in that positive way as well. Seeing church and doing church differently but in a new way that is engaging um, a whole new raft of people.
1: Yeah, I absolutely echo all of that, and I think that I would love us to be at the point as a diocese where instead of admiring the expertise of those people whose dedicated roles relate to children and young people, where we all genuinely share a responsibility for saying, either and what does this mean in terms of our work with children and young people or or noticing the absence of children and young people either physically or in our thinking and actually I I want that to be true um, across a lot of areas of diversity so I see that importance of noticing the absence of children and young people echoed really in terms of socio-economic or or, um, ethnic diversity as well so I think I want us to share the responsibility in a genuine way that doesn't take away from the need to have specific expertise, but doesn't outsource it to the experts at the expense of it being integrated across the whole of our thinking. And I think if we can do that, you spoke about earlier about energy, the energy that young people, children and young people bring into the room, and the challenge, and I think we need that energy and we need that challenge. And if we can integrate that into all of our thinking, we will be so much richer. Uh, And I think it will bring a smile to the face of God. Mm -hmm. That would be good.
0: That's brilliant. So those are some of the hopes. What do you think some of the barriers and the challenges are to actually making some of those things a reality?
2: Clearly barriers and challenges um, exist within the capacity that we have. And yet, if we can look at ways of um, addressing that, so looking at um, local ministry, going to uh, lay people as well as clergy, and just really opening up those opportunities, seeing the work with children and young people as a way of serving God in your community and um, and being recognized for that and supported through training and development, um, just taking away as many barriers as we can but also echoing that in a much more national scale with um, the training for clergy members at um, uh, theolo- theology colleges and so on, um, just building in much more work focused on children and young people right from the very start of somebody's journey into ministry.
1: Yeah, I agree with all that. It's the, I agree with Ed Day. Um, I think also there's the psychological barrier. I think because, so this is a generalisation, so there are many churches in our diocese that do fantastic work with children and young people, intergenerational church, so, but, but we have gone a long way down the road into the space where children and young people are largely invisible in, 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 in our diocese. And when something becomes invisible, A, you don't spot its absence, and B, you don't understand the potential of the presence. So I think that bec- because we have got so far down that road with aging churches, um, there's the psychological barrier of not understanding what the gift could be, and I think we need to we need to find ways of re. Newly understanding the gift that children and young people are to us before we then will be even willing to make the changes we need to make to make their presence meaningful and visible. So it's almost like the, the barrier is we, we've gone a long way down the road. We need to recognise the potential difference that this could make. Not just in increasing numbers. These, these things are mechanistic. Yeah. And but really, what difference could it make? And then only then will we be prepared to make the structural changes to our thinking and our ways of operating that will genuinely create a space where children and young people are welcome in an authentic way rather than a tokenistic way. So I think we've got a massive psychological challenge. Um, However, I think in our diocese we have begun that journey. I think because of a willingness to work across those silos Uh, that we are on that journey and because we've got a number of people on the Growing Faith Foundation Strategic Leaders Programme for the next cohort uh, I am, as well as being an eternal optimist, I'm optimistic that we will work across those different areas of the organisation to share a common vision to make a space that is a generous space for children and young people and so I think that we can overcome those barriers. But we need to be intentional about it it's
2: not going to happen by accident yeah great it's also about a mind shift away what can we as churches do for children and young people and households but actually also thinking well actually what can the children the young people do for us and it is about bringing that that whole energy in and just re-challenging our thinking and we've got to be vulnerable but also courageous in taking those steps
0: which feels like a really helpful place to kind of leave this, that we need to be bold and courageous and um, we need to really push forward and be intentional at how we put children, young people at the heart of all we do. Great. Thank you so much, Ed and Julia. We really appreciate your time and hope that that will be really useful to other people who are listening. Thank
1: Thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you for listening to the Growing Faith
1: Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, subscribe now to
2: get the latest episode. Join us next time as we hear more about Growing Faith.